I'm Nicole Kasperson, fintech journalist, and this is What the Fintech. As a journalist who has covered the finance sector over the last five years, I've had the opportunity to interview and engage with some of the best minds in the space. The media landscape is changing, and financial services is grabbing the attention of a more diversified audience than ever before. As a member of that growing demographic, I will provide direct access to the inner workings of a complex industry while bringing an unconventional perspective to news coverage. Leaving big bank earning reports to the boring traditional media firms, I'll focus on the tech-savvy apps, digital investing platforms, challenger banks, and payment giants to drive relevant content that looks forward to disruption instead of fearing it. Growth is the number one priority I hear from founders, but with aggressive growth comes increased risk, and that's when you need SIFT. Supporting you every step of the way, SIFT prevents fraud and improves growth with dynamic friction. Interested in finding out more? Head to Miami in April to meet with SIFT at Bitcoin 2022. Hi, everyone, and welcome to What the Fintech, a podcast for fintech professionals who want to shape the future of our industry with innovation and inclusion. I'm your host, Nicole Kasperson, and today I'm interviewing Nora Apsel, co-founder and CEO of Morty. Morty allows homebuyers to shop, compare, and close mortgage options from lenders completely online. Its latest $25 million Series B last summer brought the company's valuation to $150 million. As for Nora, she began her career in the nonprofit world before realizing that her passion for technology could be used to have a greater social impact. She spent a decade as a software and front-end engineer and even worked to build Morty before transitioning to CEO. I'm excited to dive further with Nora. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nicole. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, so happy to have you to start. How are you doing today? And are you working from home or in the office? I'm in the office because the light here is much better if we're doing, <laughs> if we're doing video. But it's snowing in New York. I don't know if you're in, you're in New York, right? I am. I am. I'm in Brooklyn and I'm staring at my first backyard ever. And is this, yeah, it's snowing. It's not really sticking though right now. I don't know. When I left my apartment, it was raining. And then I got to the office and like had my coffee looking outside. And now all of a sudden it's like a blizzard. Right. (laughs) Well, the fact that you commuted in the (laughs) might be a blizzard to have great lighting for this really makes me feel good. So thank you so much, Nora, for schlucking it over to your office uh, for this recording. But yes, so to start, let's talk about your values. I do like to kick off these conversations with that because, you know, as a fintech leader, you built a company that intersects technology and large scale social impact. You're a woman after my heart. Will you share the story of the moment or a series of moments that really fueled this passion? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And thanks for asking this question. I think it's one of the areas that I love to talk about the most. Starting with my background, Yes, I was an engineer for over a decade in the startup world, but even before that, right, I worked in nonprofits for a number of years. And I really loved the work I was doing in the nonprofits sector. I was working with a community-based organization and enjoyed it a lot. But as the years went on, I grew kind of increasingly frustrated at my lack of ability to make sort of systemic change. Mm-hmm. And I really sort of made the decision that if I wanted to have this like larger scale impact, that I was going to have to leverage technology and sort of combine technology with my desire to have social or financial impact 
for millions of Americans. And so I ended up going back to school for computer science. And out of that, entered the startup world. And the first place I worked for a number of years was Meetup, which was kind of the perfect place for me. They had a really strong engineering culture, so I was able to learn a ton. But also, it's a community-based platform, right? And they had a real social mission that I very much believed in and still do. And so it was kind of the best of both worlds there. If you think about sort of like my career since then, every place that I've worked, every project, whether you're talking about a project, a side project, or or a place where I had a job, it always had a social impact Mm. because that's been super important to me. And when we founded Morty, you know, it was really this value proposition of essentially creating a marketplace to truly democratize access to home, home financing solutions for millions of Americans that really resonated with me. Home ownership is still the most direct route to financial stability for millions of Americans. And creating a platform to, to allow access to that is very exciting and motivating for me. And so, yeah, I mean, I started out as one of the technical co-founders. I started out um, building the platform from the ground up. I worked on the front end and my co-founder, Adam, worked on the back end and over time transitioned into the CEO role. But sort of this this focus on how can we make sure that we're doing best for the customer, providing access, providing transparency has been core to our value proposition at Morty and me personally since the beginning. So much in there that um, I appreciate. It's uh, I get asked the question a lot too, right? Like, how did you get into fintech as like a journalist, right? Or you love storytelling. And it's just interesting how like the advancements in technology can be that like spark that makes us realize, you know, mission-driven folks like ourselves realize, hey, I can make an impact like this. Or, you know, maybe instead of trying to change a system, you create your own version of that to make the world a better place. So kudos to you for kind of figuring out the best way to do that for yourself and for others through home buying. The other part I think about is, you know, just having that engineering background. One, I imagine maybe when you were going to school, there weren't a lot of women doing that with you. And two, but correct me if I'm wrong. And then two, engineering kind of, I feel like when I was growing up was one of those things where folks were like, you became an engineer, an engineer because you want to make a lot of money. So you were neither a male or someone that just wanted to make a lot of money, right? A number of years ago, a friend of mine asked me, like, how did you know to become an engineer? And I was like, I didn't become an engineer. I like did the things that I thought were really interesting and I thought would help like further sort of the impact I wanted to have on the world. And the result was that I became an engineer. But that way of thinking, the sort of like logic-based analysis of problems and, and finding their solutions is also what has made me an effective leader of the company overall, because I take that perspective and apply it to pretty much any challenge or opportunity that we have at the company today. Yeah. And I I just wanted to bring it up because I do think if we could have more women like yourself, you join engineering programs, go to school for it, you know, maybe we'd see more products like Morty and see the things that you're building out. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of note that because I think it's just so important. Um, But we will dive even more deep into some of that. The question is like, how do you do that? Right. And I think that there has obviously been a rise in sort of like post-college programs where anybody can enter to be able to learn programming and become an engineer. But I think that the only way we're going to change the gender landscape 
of the engineering sector is going to be um, having it in high school. So very early on, it should be equivalent to math and English and computer science should be right there. And progress has been made on that. So I am optimistic that over the next 20 years, we'll see a shift, but time will tell. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really good, though, to hear from you know someone who's experienced it, right? And someone who is like in that field um, to say, hey, like, I, I think that there is hope. I mean, right. I one of kind of my favorite lessons learned from uh, someone I've interviewed that I admire is thinking about like, there's just, we, we don't have time. We can't waste our energy thinking that like, this is it. There is no change. There's no other way. We have to always think of it as, as forward and, and what's next and that there is hope. Otherwise, what are we all doing? We're just going to sit in like hopeless land. No way. So (laughs) I love that. I love it. And um, so kind of talking about the FinTech landscape, We've seen innovation in nearly every other vertical from student loans, credit cards, and even auto loans, but mortgages continue to lag. Will you talk to us about why you think that is? I think that there are a couple of reasons why why mortgage has continued to lag in other industries. I mean, starting with sort of the way that the mortgage industry operates. So the mortgage industry operates in a lot of silos. So you have different parties involved in the transaction, and this is especially true in the purchase in the purchase ecosystem. And there isn't necessarily communication across. So it's hard for the homeowner's insurance agent or the title agent to speak with the realtor and the broker. And they do communicate maybe over email, but by and large, those areas really operate operate within silos and it's hard to break down those walls. And so it's hard to innovate if you can't sort of have that connected view into what is going on within the market. And then the other thing that sort of has helped perpetuate that is the fact that that the technology has not advanced as quickly as many of the other industries. And some of that's because of regulatory reasons. But the biggest reason is that there are some very big players in the industry who have had their technology be sort of like dominant players. And it's hard to move incumbents. Mm -hmm. And that technology has not moved as fast as some of the startups that you're seeing come in now. So kind of when you started out as the engineer that literally built the Morty platform, kind of knowing all of this, the disparity, right, between like how mortgage lending is compared with maybe other industries, you know, how did you maybe navigate that complexity of the transaction process and then simplify it for users? If you ask any founder about like how they, how they figured out how to like get their V1, yeah. um, it's always a labor of love, right? And so... What we did was we took this really complex process and we said, like, well, I don't understand these words. Like, how do we make it such that if we were if we were going through this process, this would be so accessible to us. We would understand everything going on. And we broke it down step by step to make it really simple for the customer. I think over time, obviously, our product has dramatically improved. But there are a couple of like core values that we've really stuck to, which is transparency. So be really clear about what you're offering the customer and what you're asking of them. And then the other one is just like, is just like strong technology that, that is going to support that transparency. So if you're showing somebody a quote, that quote should be accurate Mm -hmm. uh, and the technology should be built in a way such that it's extremely resilient and you're not, and you're not showing any errors or anything like that. 
Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. Morty, and even just you explaining it here at the top, it reminds me of when I used to cover the housing and mortgage industry. Uh, that was my first job as a finance journalist. And <laughs> I remember going to like one of my fr- huge learning curve. At, like, yeah. So I, that's why I can so appreciate what Morty's doing. And I remember going to like my first conference and I was interviewing a guy, like one of the f- only people that worked for like a nonprofit <laughs> in the whole conference. And I remember interviewing him and he kind of just looked at me and was like, see this room full of people, like people in suits where, uh, drinking their cocktails. They're all full of, and I'll spare the D, de- the, the swearing. But like, <laughs> and, and that's what this kind of reminds me of. And, and I think he, by that, at the time, I think he kind of meant like that transparency, right? Like yeah. they aren't being so transparent with what everything means. That's kind of what has been so difficult about financial services in general, right? Is the jargon is like trying to confuse people. And so I love that Morty is so focused on making the consumer empowered in that home buying process. So when it comes to kind of leveraging that communication and transparency aspect, you know, how does Morty do that in a way that is different than the traditional mortgage options? This kind of gets back to our model. So our model as a marketplace, being a marketplace where our incentives are totally aligned with the customer, we're able to truly be their advocate in a way that traditional mortgage providers can't because we don't actually care because we are incentivized to make sure that the customer is always getting the best price, the best experience through the entire process. I love what you're getting at, though, because what you're saying is like, maybe that's what the mortgage lending industry kind of needed is someone almost to sit in that that sweet spot. Right. And like not have you're right. You don't have an incentive to say, oh, I hope they pick a certain loan or I hope they pick a certain thing like you instead have a whole marketplace of lenders. And for you, your incentive is I want them to just go through the whole process and get to the end. And it doesn't matter if they pick a super high paying loan or if whatever it is, like I don't, and that's what you're capable of doing. And that's where that extra transparency is, is like being able to say like, Hey, I, you have the option here, consumer. And how many, how many lenders do you have in the marketplace so far? We have like 10 to 15 lenders on our, yeah, there you go. But yeah, to be honest, the the real challenge for customers is knowing it, it's not just about which lender. It's also about like, what's the most important thing to you? Like, do you care more about a lower rate? Do you care more about low closing costs? What's the right way to sort of package your loan? Um, there are a lot of details that are very challenging, especially given the fact that for many of our customers, this is the first time that they're ever engaging, right? We have a very high percentage of first time homebuyers on our platform. And so for us, by being this advocate for homebuyers and always wanting people to just get what is best for them, we're able to enter into these conversations from a totally different vantage point. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, I love fast forwarding like five years since I heard that Uh, (laughs) with that guy who was like this piece they're full of whatever and then now fast forward to today and there's options out there like morty right to be able to say hey we don't have to be just full of bs like we because there's no need for us and that's yeah that's just sick that's awesome oh this is an interesting question while code operates much of the underwriting and origination process 
there is also like a human touch as well. Will you talk to us about that element and why it was so important to incorporate from a UX perspective? I think if we can take a step back, let's remember how big of a purchase a mortgage is, right? A home purchase is is typically the largest financial transaction of many people's lives. And although Morty, you know, Morty provides this this very clear, transparent, self-driven experience, and it allows customers to be able to see very clearly what their rate's going to be, what they need to provide, how long is it going to take to close, all of that kind of information. But there is a human element that's really important when you're making such an emotional purchase. And so, you know, we have a team of amazing mortgage experts that are always available to talk to customers. But what's really important about their role is that they are helping advise customers and support customers. What they're not doing is creating a loan option, right? Or Mm -hmm. creating the list of documents that maybe they need, because all of those things can be supported through technology. And so for us, we have really taken taken the approach of you automate the parts that can be automated and that should be automated. And then you have this wonderful team to support the customers where they have additional questions or need sort of like that support uh, through the journey. Absolutely. Why not leverage the technology that you have and this like awesome algorithm or just platform that you've built uh, as, you know, someone with such a heavy engineering background, why not leverage the technology to say, here's, you know, the best of this, the best of that, the best rate, the best whatever built for you personally. And then, by the way, if you like wanted to talk to a human and get a little insight or like wanted something who I imagine is like kind of really just strictly like consulting in a sense, right? Like they're not offering like official financial advice or anything like that, but they are there to say, hey, like I am a professional in this and I can guide you a little bit if you want. I think that's like such a cool aspect of fintech and that I think we're going to see more of uh, moving forward is just that hybrid, right? As of having actual people like ready on the, on the horn, on the phone, ready to say like, I will guide you and to have that as a UX experience. Like, I don't know about you, but I hate having to chat with an AI when I need help. I'm like, just give me a human. Like maybe that's the millennial in me, but like (laughs) I want to talk to a human sometimes and I want to talk on the phone. So I love that you incorporate that into it. Well, that's because it's such a personalized experience, right? That's why you don't want to talk to an AI as, as you're calling it. You want to know that somebody else understands what you're doing and what you're going through. And that's very similar to how a number of our customers feel. Right, right. I mean, everyone needs like a sounding board of sorts, right? Especially like, you know, what, imagine if you're like you know, a, a single mom or a single woman or, or anyone like that's so low, right? And you maybe don't necessarily have a sounding board or something. So to be able to like call someone and, and have that human connection. Yeah, so critical. I love, I love that you're incorporating all of that. The one thing that I'll add, though, is although there are many customers that seek that, that support and, and we obviously have it, and there are many that do not right? Because the product is built to be very self-service. So you can opt in and out, uh, both in the, in the way you want to communicate in the forum, right? Do you want to communicate over text message? Do you want to communicate over chat? As well as the frequency. And I think one of the areas that were, that, that's really important to us is also around content generation, right? So making sure that we're creating content for these customers so that they can opt in 
and sort of self-drive the education experience in a way that they want. A lot of founders I speak to are super focused on growth. But when you're growing fast, you open your business up to risk. That's when SIF steps in. I'm a fan of what SIFT is doing to protect fintech businesses against fraud as they grow. That level of security is one less thing to worry about. The SIFT team has already signed up some impressive fintech players, including digital banks, Bitcoin and blockchain platforms, and payment service providers. Visit SIFT.com to learn often, more. like what my favorite fintech app is, or at least like one of them that I use often. And for me, the one that like resonates with me most is one that kind of lets me pick and choose my content and educational journey. I love that I can opt in into a webinar to teach me how to manage my debt or or help me reach that goal. And then maybe I read like a little article here too. Yeah, there's just something so important and, and critical to that. And to bring that to, to home buying, like I wish you existed in when I, or I at least I knew about you when I was writing about the mortgage and housing industry, because maybe I would have like learned something in a better way or something more digestible than just, yeah, because it is a tough industry to, to understand and the learning curve is huge. So I'm a, definitely a big believer in fintech and content coming together. Likewise. I mean, this is not the type of information that anybody learns in school, right? So you actually only learn it when you come up on the transaction or the situation. Like you only learn about how to manage manage your, your FICO score when you realize that your FICO score is not where it needs to be because you're trying to like make some kind of larger purchase. But that stuff is not taught earlier on in life. And I think like, again, being sort of like this third party advocate who's really looking out for the customer, it allows for our content to also take that sort of approach. We're trying to be helpful and explain what the options are, not say you absolutely should go in this direction or this direction. And I mean, what does maybe like the future of content kind of look like for for Morty uh, from your perspective? Just like given like maybe what you have now and then, you know, do you plan on kind of ramping it up or do you kind of like where the, the content situation with the app is at now? There are two parts on this. So yes, I think we do need more content, but just as important, we need to serve up the right content at the right time to the right person. So have it more embedded within our in-product experience is going to be a really important part of sort of the future of content at Morty. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest part. Right. And that's like another area (laughs) where technology literally like you can give all the content you want, but how do you actually get it into the, you know, in front of the right people? That's like the other place I'm excited to see kind of like technology's advancements and the way that AI has just advanced so much by obviously just having more, the more data points on us they have, the the smarter the AI, AI gets and, and algorithms get. And so to see, you know, kind of those, those targeted contents, in front of us via apps, I think is so cool. And maybe doesn't even get as much appreciation sometimes, but it it's super just critical to that education. Because you're right, we don't learn about this in school. Yeah, and not everyone's like lucky enough maybe to have like a parent or someone teach them. So right. we, we got to help it out. I agree um, totally. Yeah, totally. So Morty also works with established lenders like Quicken Loans, What are like the pros and cons of that experience as a fintech startup working alongside these more established firms? Yeah, I think it's a great question. It again goes back to sort of our marketplace model. 
for us, our vision is really around kind of being the single point of access into the mortgage market for all consumers. And I should really say into the home financing market. So being able to direct people to the right loan option for them and then help manage it all the way through to closing their loan. When you think about the incumbents in the industry, we work with them because they are very experienced at at funding these loans, originating these loans, and they and th- that is their area of expertise. And where we come in is again being this like advocate for the consumer to direct them to the right place and then kind of manage that entire experience all the way through to closing. What I think will be really interesting is as we continue to grow, having both some of the newer lenders and newer providers on our platform, as well as the incumbent ones, and then allow customers to really choose what's important to them. Because some customers have preference towards the type of provider that they're talking to or that they're working with, rather. And with the latest Series B, what's maybe the game plan for expanding the Morty marketplace to be able to offer customers financing options that are right for them today and, you know, in the future? Yeah, I mean, I to be honest, you kind of answer the question. <laughs> uh, the Series B is all about expanding at our marketplace. So for the first couple of years of us being live, we were really focused on purchase transactions and we did only conventional mortgages. So mortgages that are backed by the government, by Franny and Freddie. Our average loan amount was around 350K. So we were pretty middle of the road, but our vision is to be that single point of access at the top of the funnel, like I was speaking about earlier. And that means having all types of these solutions available on our platform. And that's what we're working on and we'll continue to work on. From just thinking about like that fintech operator perspective, it is kind of interesting to think about why there aren't maybe more options or better options in the in the fintech space you know, for for users for home buying i i know we kind of talked about because of the the like transactional aspects of it but is there you know anything else like within when you were built as you were building out morty that you think like oh man this takes an extra amount of grit or like this is like no wonder everyone's <laughs> not in this because this is hard or yeah is it anything outside of even just like the transactional aspect of it that stands out to you If I could actually just challenge one thing that you just said around there not being a lot of options, I would say that there is a difficulty connecting the right people with the right options, but there are actually a lot of options out there. It's just the discovery of them is really challenging for the everyday consumer. And this goes back, obviously, to the value that we see in being a marketplace. And I think like when when you think about what's the challenge for us around getting all of these people, getting all of these different products onto the marketplace. It's a product challenge because we care so much that the consumer has a very clear, delightful experience. We have to make sure that every single new product that we offer has that same level of service to them. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's like, there's even more out there it's just it's hard to discover or it it almost is like it's kind of how there's just so many like investing options or there's so there's just too many options out there and so like deciphering through the noise is what's what's hard i mean how do you kind of make yourself stand out in the sea of of options out there that apparently not a lot of us like know about 
for many customers, the biggest thing that matters is price. How do I make sure that I'm having that I'm getting the best price for my mortgage? That challenge can be solved through good technology that's like properly pricing everything out across a network of lenders. And that's what we do today for our customers. But there are customers that have other needs, right? And value other things beyond just price. And sometimes it's literally just access that they're looking for. To answer sort of like the bigger question that you're asking here, which is like, how do you access these customers and how do you communicate to them? It goes back to being an advocate. So you you have to meet people where they are, but you also have to be informative and helpful in a really clear, transparent way, match them to the right product. And that means understanding who they are, what they need, and what their sort of home financing goals are long term. And when you think about like meeting the customer where they're at, I guess I can't help but think about social media when I hear that. I mean, is that something that you guys play into with with the strategy? And how does maybe that tie in at all? So we haven't done a ton on social media up until now. But this gets goes back to like the content question, right? How do and and how do you reach and communicate to people? And I think increasingly people are turning to social media and influencers to understand their financial options just as much as they used to to figure out where they should go out to eat. Right. Um, and so I think I think it's like a very valid question and um, and will be important over the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So completely separate from Morty, if you could pick a second financial services sector to help innovate outside of housing and mortgages, what would it be and why? I don't know if this is true for all founders, but for me, like there are so many different things that I would love to do. Every single day, you sort of like see different areas that would be fun to dig into and explore. But to be honest, everything really goes back to the beginning for me. So the desire to have social impact. And I think that entrepreneurship and the ability to own your own business, um, specifically talking about like small businesses, is a really important sort of like part of our economic fabric and is also a way to provide financial mobility for a lot of people. So an area that I think is really interesting is um, small business loans for like individual entrepreneurs, specifically women, to start something new as opposed to um, some small business loans that like help maintain current businesses. Yeah, I would love to do that type of work because I think that there, I think that um, you can create a ton of opportunity for people that uh, that never had it before. Yeah, absolutely. And given just the even the pandemic, right? I think that there's a larger appreciation for small businesses, and yeah. I think that um, that's actually an area. I'm, you're really validating me right now because I've done a couple <laughs> of other podcasts where that's what I've said, like where someone's asked me, what are you excited about for fintech or whatever? And to me, that is small businesses and, and just giving them essentially like that that equipment, right, that they need to better manage their financial services is huge. And I think that the pandemic kind of showed us that we all want to preserve aspects of like culture, especially in places like here in New York, where we love our small businesses. And, you know, we, we want to put money into the hands of, of those people that work so hard. And, but, you know, imagine what fintech can kind of do for them to help. And, and um, so, yeah, I love that answer. I, I totally agree with it. And thank you. I, I feel all of a sudden smarter because that's what I, <laughs> 
when I when I've been uh, doing uh, I've been a guest on some interviews myself. But yes, okay. So also kind of going back to being a female CEO and founder in male dominated fields, engineering, tech, housing. You're just covering it all, crushing it. How do you maybe navigate things like feeling isolated or just keeping your mental health in check? Founding a company is really hard. And I think all founders and executives feel that, like sort of regardless of industry and gender. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have those challenges that are just universal. (laughs) Um, The way that I have found to combat those challenges has been being able to like see other people have similar challenges and be able to combat them. So for me, very early on, you know, uh, Morty went through the Techstars Accelerator program. So being able to like talk very candidly with managing directors and EIRs about the challenges that we were having, that was very helpful. And I continue to, to work with those people. And then if you think about it from like a female perspective or from a woman's perspective, the challenge is then, do you see other women combating these challenges in the same way that you are? So do you have any models? And that's a challenge, I think, across all industries and professions, right? Um, You see it in politics, you see it in more traditional banking. So it's not unique. For me, I was very lucky that I had a couple of women early on who who I got to know and who supported me. So like my managing director at Techstars is this amazing woman. Um, I was able to learn a lot from her, but also just like watch how she navigated things, right? And so, you know, it kind of goes back to our conversation around computer science in high schools. It's all about having having the models and being able to like apply who you are and the challenges that that you have against those models. That makes a lot of sense. And um, kind of just like looking to others. And that's, you know, a lot of what I'm uh, trying to do here with with what the fintech is just share and, you know, it is largely uh, women that I speak to, but, you know, even even male founders, right, has, with their um, allyship or what they're doing to kind of help in, in those areas. But, you know, absolutely. I just yeah. like I think it's really important to note that, like that having more women in like more visible positions is a pursuit for all of us. Yes. And it needs everybody to be involved. I have also been very lucky to have a number of male investors, co-founders, team members who have like really supported me through a lot of challenging times. It's about community, right? And it's about having people that you can trust, which I think if we really narrow in on it, that's the thing, like having people that you can trust, that you can share your problems with and know that it's not going to go any further and and that they can provide some helpful advice. I'm loving to see kind of more of the uplifting and elevating of of female founders and CEOs. And I mean, you even got uh, recognized by uh, New York City FinTech's women's organization. How did that feel to have? I I don't think you were at the the holiday party. I was there at the New York Stock Exchange sipping tequila by the the closing bell. But um, yeah, I mean, your face was lit up on the stock exchange floor. So I mean, how does that feel? That was an amazing honor. Also, I've been part of this organization for a long time, and I've just been so impressed by how they have grown, um, both from the hard work of 
the founders and organizers of the event, but also more women entering the fintech world and wanting to help build up this community. And I think all of those things really just reflect that I think things are moving in the right direction within this industry. I mean, for you, what are some of the steps you take personally, maybe to pay it forward or bring more women into the fintech uh, leadership space? You know, are you looking to, you know, maybe help schools out with with STEM programs or, you know, what maybe is your idea and just passion there to, to help that that pay it forward? Mentorship is really important and continuing to do that type of work. So like I'm a mentor in Techstars, being able to help help like emerging companies, like sort of navigate the same troubled waters that we had to navigate. So that's one big thing. But the other thing that I think is really important is sort of the team that we build here at Morty. So we have a number of women in leadership or executive roles, but helping to support sort of the development of everybody on our team and really promoting internal movement so people are continuously getting exposed to more opportunities. I mean, that's the point of joining a startup. The point of joining a startup is so that you have outsized opportunity, right? And you're being given responsibility that you wouldn't necessarily get at a larger company. And so this is for everybody that joins our company, but it's really important that people have that here. Uh, you know, they believed in Morty and we believe in them. And that's, that's sort of the ethos for, for our company culture, I think. So amazing. I love it so much. Nora, you have gone over your background, your values. You have shared how important it is to get more women in engineering starting at a young age, even at high school. I, I do hope we see it as well someday. You, you've shared how honored you are to be a, a New York <laughs> City uh, leading female in fintech. So well-deserved. So I just want to ask you one more question. What are your final thoughts, Nora? Please tell us what the F we can expect from you and Morty next. The next year, 18 months of Morty is going to be really exciting as we expand out our marketplace and be able to serve more customers and really be able to help build this like broader real estate and fintech ecosystem, which has been amazing to watch over the next couple of years. And I think the next two years will be an even bigger explosion. Well, that is so exciting. Thank you so much, Nora, for joining me. That is a wrap on this episode of What the Fintech. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you loved this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button and you can find me on all your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time, talk to you soon.